0: Seconds to go. Jaron dribbles into the front court, drives to the bucket. His shot, no good. Put back up and in by Trayvon Scott. Cincinnati by one. Rose from half court. His yeah! shot
1: is no good. 20 25.
0: Towards the middle of the field with the 35. And he is gone. Trey Tucker will take it. 98
1: yards to the house. As Ritter catches the shotgun snap. Five-step drop from the 10. Fires deep down the middle of the field. Tyler Scott is open. Over the shoulder, catch at the 38. Sprinting away from the Red Hawks. Into the
0: end zone for an 81-yard touchdown. It is a nip at night knockout. And the fans are beginning to charge the field here at Nippert Stadium. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world did you see that
1: hello listeners new and old welcome back to your favorite bearcats podcast viva the cats i am your host justin howe accompanied by my great friend steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the bearcats week in and week out if you're a first-time listener thanks for checking us out and if you're a returning listener thank you for sticking with us and we hope you enjoyed hearing that new intro we decided to take a new sound on that. So as Wes Miller would say, we are fired up.
0: <laughs> fired up too, now that I just heard it again. Like it's, <laughs> it's fire, man. Like if our loyal listeners listened to that basketball episode. They would have heard that new intro as well. So, but it's okay if this is your first time listening. Every podcast is someone's first. So yes, that's true. Welcome aboard. Go Bearcats. Austin, how about you? How are we feeling?
1: I'm feeling good. Um, I'm feeling a little, uh, I don't don't even know how to describe the feeling after the (laughs) post the Navy game Um, pertaining specifically to the Bearcats. I think we've got some things to work on and some things to talk about, but um, I don't think it's a time to panic and everybody seems to have made it into this time to panic. I think Sunday gave us a little bit of a breather because we were all scared of you know somebody like oklahoma or osu or alabama jumping us and i think we got a little bit of breathing room maybe more than i think all of us were expecting i think everybody was expecting to drop but i think there's still a a good confidence it's just not quite as loud as it was before Um, and i think everybody's just kind of like let's step back and let the bearcats do their thing um, which is good so Real quick, I do want to mention, if you haven't already, make the rounds on social media and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for our daily content and clips, and you can also follow us on other Spotify or Apple podcasts. Uh, don't forget, if you enjoy the show, make sure to share us with your friends, and you can follow us at UC Uniforms on Twitter and IG to stay up to date on all things Bearcats Unis. So, with that out of the way, um, we might as well jump right into this. Um, top 10, really not a lot of shifts. Um as much as some of these prior weeks have been, but we did have um, some movement. I think everybody kind of just shuffled up. Interestingly enough, though, Oklahoma shuffled back a little bit, and Alabama shuffled forward. And now, if you look at the top three in the nation, it is Georgia, Alabama at third, and Cincinnati still holding strong in the second. Very close. Uh, if you look at the AP votes, I don't think we're that far apart. Not even. I don't even think the point, point total is probably more than 100 Um, so it's, it's a pretty tight race, but, um, kind of surprised that the sec didn't just get their full, you know, here's your gift. You get right back up into the top two just because, but I I think we're in a position now with the new rankings that we've got to start to fight for our spot for the rest of the season because everybody else is starting to creep in. And we had one game where we slipped up a bit, and now everybody else is going to be the predator trying to hunt us down, and we'll we'll see what happens. But um, Steve, uh, I have to ask you: uh, this high speed bullet from Navy—they um, were clearly pissed off. They didn't like how their season was going. They're one in five uh, now, one in six. Um, but they really wanted to take out a top ten, uh, top two team this weekend. So, what do you think happened? Why? Why was this such a close game?
0: Navy's coming off a bye week. Triple option teams,
1: they need a bye
0: week to try and get everything back together. Had a couple different wrinkles. Uh, as you know, triple option, you know what's coming, kind of. You know what can be what they're going to do. They're either going to hand it off to the fullback, hand it off to the slotback, or the quarterback's going to fake the pitch and take it himself. They probably added a couple new wrinkles. I'm not a football expert, so I couldn't tell you what exactly the wrinkles were. I've been watching every Navy play this season. Number 2, our strength on defense is our defensive backfield. It is not our front seven. As much as I love our front seven, it is not our strength. And if you've looked, we've kind of been we've been okay against the run, but not as good as in previous years against the run. And then 3, I think you're right that Navy wanted to come out a little bit like a little bit, uh, you know, they were motivated for sure. Top Top five team coming into their house, getting a little bit, you know, of the of the shine from the national media, even though it's not for them, it's for us. And I'm sure they heard all the talk about uh, being, you know, 28 point favorite. Brian Fox uh, said that players were coming off the Navy uh, sideline at halftime. At Navy, uh, both teams enter in the same enter and exit the field in the same tunnel. Navy goes to the right side. The visitors go to the left, and Navy was apparently saying, "Number two, you guys ain't shit and stuff like that." So even though they go to the Naval Academy, they they still talk trash. Like oh, for sure. Can, just ask anybody who played BYU. You know BYU's yeah. the uh, the school uh, where a lot of Mormon uh, students go to. They Still talk trash, even though they're not supposed to. They still they still talk trash. That's uh, sailor 80- talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, do you agree with me, Justin, that like front seven is not our strength? Even though they did play well, then you know our our DBs didn't really get a chance to shine because in, in games against passing offenses, every other offense that we've played, they've been able to come in and shut the game down. As a running team, we saw with Indiana early, we saw with Notre Dame at times during that game not comparing Navy to Notre Dame or Indiana but they have a they're strictly a running attack and that's what they practice every week it's what they do best you can practice as much as you want but Navy still played to their game plan they held time of possession and um, I I think would you agree with all of those points I made
1: Absolutely and I think I kind of glossed over this last week but um If you look at Navy's schedule, like, coming up to playing the Bearcats, um, not even necessarily the schedule, but really just the results of their schedule, Um, they kept basically everybody within one score. And, you know, of course, not every team is going to be a number two Bearcat team, but you had SMU in there, who they also kept... I think they kept them within a score, if not two. But some of these other teams that they had, like, everybody was within, like, 14 points. So... When you're a team like Navy, and you can control the ball as much as they do. You're just taking away offensive opportunities for the other team. I mean, if you can burn a 90-yard drive and turn it into a score and take five, six, seven minutes off the clock, you know, that's, it's the best way to play uh, defense is with long-game offense. Um, so I think they did really well. Um, and a lot of people were trying to give more credit to the Bearcats not playing well. And I think that's just not the case. I think Navy just showed up, and I think they played really well. Um, and like you said, they were jawing. They wanted they wanted to take out a number two team. Um, and apparently from for, uh, what a commentator had mentioned really early in the game was the last time that they had played a number two team was like in the 80s or 70s. I don't remember who it was, um, but they ended up beating them. And so <laughs> the only other time they played a number two team, they came really close, and they ended up winning that game. So... They've apparently got a number uh for those top 25 top 10 teams but one thing I did want to then here's
0: here's the other thing real quick uh before you go on yeah UC's offense is really about you know settling into the game and trying to get as many possessions as they can and we've seen in the two games where they didn't have that many possessions Murray State and the Navy game they pulled away comfortably in the second half obviously this game was a little bit Closer than that Murray State game. But Murray State and Navy both, like uh, they they did their jobs. They controlled time of possession. You can even see that Indiana for that first quarter pretty much controlled the time of possession. Yeah. They were converting on third downs and stuff. And you know when our offense doesn't get two or three tries, it's not offense that goes down and scores first drive all the time. Right. It's a little wild sometimes. We saw in this game, we didn't score for our first two possessions, but I think our offense needs multiple possessions. Sorry to cut you off.
1: Keep no, on. no, no. You're I, and I, that's absolutely true too. And one thing I wanted to point out is, um, of the 60 minutes of the game, Navy controlled 40, pretty much right to the zeros. So they did a really good job of controlling it. And and when you're a team like the Bearcats, who clearly as we've seen so far this season needs to build momentum. They don't, I mean, even with, um, if you guys have heard in this new <laughs> new intro uh, that call on that um, Tyler Scott touchdown that came straight out of the first throw against the Miami game, first throw of the game, we can come right out of the gates, but it still takes a while for them to really hit on all cylinders and make those long, long drives. Um, again, that's been against basically everybody, um, and we've proven that we're a second-half team. So I think it's just one of those things where – as long as the Bearcats can hold the game close within the first half, they'll take over in the second. And I've said that before on here. It's just, you want to build that comfortable gap. Um, so in case anything happens like this week, you can kind of work with it and play against it. Um, and it's better to, it's, I think, I think the only sport that this is different is in basketball, but pretty much in every other sport, it's always good to be the man with the lead at the end of the game. Um because you you want somebody trying to kill your momentum and somebody trying to build momentum versus you have to be the ones who do that. Um, and so I will always take a lead at the end of the game. A, a game like this. And, you know, Navy looked like they really wanted it. And then clearly the reason that they weren't able to score at the end is because, uh, well, one, bad uh, ball management by the QB. I don't know what the hell they were doing, but... You're not a passing team. Don't throw the ball um, and try to score on a quick drive. You, if you run it, you run it and take your timeouts, get it out of bounds. But regardless, um, a thing I wanted to mention was uh, Ty Lavatai, who's their uh, QB for Navy, was 11 for 15 with seven, uh, just seven and about close enough to eight yards per throw, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, and I don't know if that's just a result of the Bearcats' defense being so prepped for the run game where it's like, you know, all right. Um we're going to have to we're going to have to kind of give them some of the throws and really focus on stopping their run game, but I'd say that, you know, 60 plus percent completion was pretty decent for a team that just doesn't throw the ball. Um especially considering we were expecting to be pounded by run game the whole time. Um but I think the really interesting part of this entire game was the spread. Um the spread was like we said, a four score spread and Navy came in and kept it within one and damn near made it a tie game at the end of the game. And the, the scary thing too, is coming down to the end of that is team like Navy. I wouldn't put it past them. Number two team. You've got the momentum at the end of the game. I would have, I would have sworn they would have gone for a two point if they had scored there. There's no, I don't, I don't see reason why they would just, they're one in six or one in five. If I was Navy, I would have just gone for the two point. You could take out that team right then and there. Don't give them a chance in overtime. Um, sure. so Clearly as we've seen they they the Bearcats cut it pretty close this week. Um but I think it's something that obviously we can work with and we needed that uh wake up call because it's very easy when you're a top-ranked team like this um you know we saw even with Georgia you can have those teams that are just sleepers or you can have that off week or you can have whatever it might be that little hiccup in your schedule that you're really not worried about and next thing you know they can come charging in and you're, you know, everybody's everybody's gunning for you, and you have to be prepared for all of those little things, and you cannot be comfortable. If you're comfortable, you're they're gonna get you. You know, it's.
0: And I think Navy's gotten better throughout the season, as their record wouldn't indicate. But like the like you said, the last two home games they played, they kept it close. Memphis game at Memphis, weird things happen in Memphis. We both know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think also you know. Are like the guys at Splits on Duo put it best. Said, it's Navy off a of bye. They fixed some stuff. It's a triple option team. You're never going to see them again. It happens. It happens. And then they just moved on with the rest of their show, you know, because they were just covering everything that happened on Saturday. And honestly, I I don't think a win like this really hurt us. And we saw that it didn't hurt us in the polls. We stayed at two. Votes were a little bit closer, but oh, real quick. Oklahoma
1: we also jumped up to number two in the coaches poll, too. I have to mention that. Which is another big plus. Coaches no. Coaches no. Yeah. I think it's also
0: that um Oklahoma looked like looked bad against a team. Writers respect the troops. I don't know if they respect Kansas. Yeah. So <laughs> coaches respect the troops too. I don't know if the coaches respect Kansas, but um I just I think you just got to throw it out. It's a triple option team. You're never going to face another triple option team this season. Obviously you didn't play as well as you wanted to you probably weren't going to cover the spread anyway. Now, I thought we were going to, because why not? But um, just the way that if they control the, the clock, they went it the way they wanted to control the clock. You're going to hold the ball for 30, 35, 40 minutes, you yeah. know, and, be impossible to try and run it up and we got up to to 20, 27 to 10 at mm-hmm. one point and obviously it didn't hold but i think is you you see fans should not be worried about this game being a precursor for things to come because it, you know navy scored that last touchdown with 50 seconds to go one side kick uh, i don't know if you noticed justin but uh coach fickle's uh players of the week uh post did not have did not any include special, special teams, teams. player. Yeah. I did notice that. So uh, I'm sure that got a nice uh, a nice talking yeah. uh, in meetings over the weekend. Also, I think Coach Fix said it best himself. He was like, you need a challenge. We needed a fourth quarter challenge. We haven't had one, and we got one. Yeah. So obviously we look at this through red and black colored glasses, but this can only be a good thing for the Bearcats. And it came on a Saturday where it seemed like everybody else throwing in clunkers even though even alabama who ended up winning by 28 is only up by seven against a tennessee team that is good not great and that's alabama right and so i just as long as you take care of business against tulane we'll talk about that that game later but as long as you take care of business against them just keep rolling and pray that this is not a precursor for future games because i don't think it is And I want to read a tweet real quick. This was a response to Justin Williams, the great athletic beat writer for the Cincinnati Bearcats Mm -hmm. at Rob underscore Bentley seven said only dent I'm concerned about is in the loss column. I'm not going to let a group of suits ruin my enjoyment this year, even though we're going to watch the selection show next week. Just enjoy the ride, baby. The last two, three, four seasons have been really great for UC football. Something that kind of came out of the blue after coach Fickle's first year of a four and eight season once again, after a former U S current U S senators last year of coaching where he went four and eight. So it's been an unprecedented run. Uh, We should get our third 10 win season in a full seat of the last three full seasons this year, if everything holds and obviously we want much more than that, but it's been a great ride. We got to just enjoy it while we're here and, I don't want to worry too much about the playoff people because we saw their game plan last year and seen it ever since the playoff was, was started. So I'm not going to worry about that. Let me worry about that. Justin, I'm holding you accountable to hold me accountable Listeners, (laughs) Tag us. Tell us that you're not concerned. Don't worry about those guys in suits that in a nice cushy conference room and don't watch the games. Let's just watch the games, watch the Bearcats. Uh, hope for chaos
1: absolutely and and so there's there's a lot to be said about um you know kind of the the chaos of how everything sort of unfolds um and speaking of chaos i do actually want to jump ahead here um to the american conference uh because this is this is big news that shaped up this week um and i think that one of these things that we really have to kind of comment on is just, just how mixed the reaction was to the additions that the American conference had. So they added six teams. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, which I'm sure you are, but, um, they added rice, UTSA, UAB, Charlotte, FAU, and UNT. Um, and so six teams that have a combined, what, uh, 50 wins between them in in a in you know a few seasons And, and so some of these teams just don't i don't see how they bolster this conference and like i said so all this all of this reception of this edition was very mixed um people were some people were really happy for the american like it's a good you know way to sort of widen the roster so to speak um but at the same point, um, a lot of people were also kind of just laughing at it because it's not a, it's not like you're adding anybody that's better than who's currently in the conference. I think the only real threat to anybody out of these new additions in the current conference, minus you know the Big Twelve teams that have shipped that it will be shipped off, is UAB. UAB, I think, is the only team that could really give anybody in here a run for their money. Rice, UTSA, U, uh, Charlotte, FAU, FAU, to also to a degree, I think they could, you know, kind of come up, but they're not the Lane Kiffin <laughs> FAU anymore either. Um, I, I think with those teams in the fold, we have to really look at how the American is going to um, look in this sort of new power scheme is did the group of five just get absolutely ripped apart and demolished because of this one move? Because we saw, like, okay, the Mountain West lost uh, BYU. And... Well, the BYU was independent. Independent, sorry. I was going to say, I thought something was up with that. I was like, it came out of my head mouth, and it didn't sound right. Um, But anyways, Mountain West, these other teams or other conferences are losing teams. And this mix of all of these teams are starting to really just sort of, um, they're, they're losing the clear contenders. Um, because right now, like you've got the Bearcats, you've got UCF, which has been a powerful team over time. Um, you've got, you know, Houston and BYU. You've got these teams that have made the noise in the top 25, as far as football goes, basketball is another story, but, um, now the G five just looks so messy and it, it's hard to say which conferences aren't gonna end up being cannibalized by each other and I feel like this might make everyone look weaker. So I, I have to ask you, and in plain English, is everyone fucked? <laughs> uh,
0: I think so. The poor conference USA uh just got poached again by the Sun Belt, which um I don't know. It was interesting move. Uh, Sunbelt officially announced the uh, move of adding Southern Miss on Tuesday. Um, and they're working on, and as you are listening to this, they might have already officially added James Madison, Marshall, and Old Dominion. Uh, making the Sunbelt probably seventh best conference in FBS football, the second best after American, although they could be better than the American if... These new teams don't really stack up um i just th- i just feel bad for now i don't really feel bad because like eh, see you bye um but like a school like temple who you know they were a basketball school for a while they had some football success now they're the northernmost member of a uh, conference that's based mostly in texas and florida and, mm-hmm. and it's also like they're kind of on a yukon island but i don't think has the same fan base as UConn that really wants to like get out or cares enough to get out. Um I think I think also like Charlotte and UAB, uh, Charlotte and East Carolina playing is good. UAB yeah. and Memphis is good. Did you see that the trophy is returning? That's a
1: tasty. Yeah, that's a tasty rivalry right there. But I want the to go to the maybe. I want to be in the press box for one of those games.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, Birmingham and uh and Memphis, pretty good barbecue city. not going to lie. Maybe yeah. just just uh, got a new stadium this year, um, which is so much better than Legion Field. Justin, you got lucky and you didn't have to go to Legion Field for the Bearcats-Birmingham Bowl trip. Uh, I did, and let me tell you, it was not fun. It was not an enjoyable yeah. experience. That place was old, rotted, just gross. And you now they play in a brand-new stadium, next to the downtown Birmingham so it could be good but thought of and I saw Memphis fans complaining uh, when this move was announced and Memphis had to put up a tweet that was like welcome to the American and uh, these six schools and someone responded with the thought of our top 10 ranked basketball team having to play a road game at UTSA in their high school gym I was like thinking to myself like you already play away games at Lane in their 4,000-seater and at ECU yeah. in their 5,000-seater. So, really that different? Yes, <laughs> like, I don't know. This, this league is a lot less stronger in basketball now, uh, which is obviously a secondary. And then the league is a lot less stronger in football, too. There was really not a way that you could get much stronger. But I think the Americans' thought process was, and, you know, this is very, like, Long winded, long brain from them. I don't think they wanted the Mountain West to extend into Texas. It's like mm-hmm. I don't understand. Maybe they would have, but in I feel like the Mountain West would have jumped first if they would have. You know, and yeah. I just don't see what the point is of adding all these teams. North Texas probably has the biggest stadium out of all the new teams. Charlotte's okay. I can't believe Charlotte was still in Conference USA because. I remember the Bearcats playing them back in the day. So, um, and Rice, the biggest thing about Rice football is that John F. Kennedy quoted them in his speech, like in Dallas, like about why does Rice play Texas in football? We don't do things because they're easy. We do things because they're hard. Like, roasted (laughs) in the Rice football program as the president, bro. Like, just. (laughs) I don't know. Now, UTSA is good. Uh, they are the Roadrunners, and their little chant is "meep meep." So um, that's awesome. <laughs> meep. Um, and FAU will be good rivalry for South Florida uh, as UCF is leaving, and I'm sure UCF doesn't really want to play that rivalry game against South Florida anymore because they would. They were kind of just running over that rivalry the past five years. So, yeah. all in all, I think it's just shuffling deck chairs on the titanic i just don't see what the point was now if they only added like uab and maybe fau or something like that i think that would be great i i don't really feel like seeing conference usa like go i don't really care that much i probably haven't watched much conference usa football but it's still like you know it's just another conference and like i don't see the point of like us getting rid of a conference just to make a four to team leagues. Like, yeah, I know we're in a 14 team league right now or a 12 team league right now, whatever it is. But, and I just don't see the point of like making these leagues so big that they become like way too big for and like the sec is going to be a 16 school league. That might make sense because that's the sec, but that's still huge for a conference. That's huge. Yeah. And the whole idea of a conference is you hate the local people around you and you gather together to hate them all and play them every year. And you can't play a round robin of 16 basketball teams. We saw it in the big East. It was impossible.
1: Yeah. You,
0: you like your sec is going to end up playing like Georgia is going to play Texas once every 10 years or something. And
1: Mm -hmm. football. And I just don't see the point of that really, but it's like, it's like, um, it's like the NFL too. Like, you have teams that you might not end up playing for like seven, six, seven, eight seasons. But I, just, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that because I, I don't see, I don't see how this benefits the American, um, and especially because I, I have to pull the quote from, um, from Oresco. But how can you still vie to say this is the Power Six conference? And I know that's you know that's just tabloids you got to you got to make the headline to make sure that like people still say like this is a um this is a thing that we see as a strong move and not just a survival move but the american and all these other g5 conferences are now in survival mode and i would have thought you know you look at teams like when the big east realigned it it shifted a lot of things of course you know the acc got involved the big 12 got involved um but this is just one of those positions where everybody feels watered down, and when you when you're playing in the American now, you look at SMU and Memphis. They're going to be the the front runners of this conference year in year out, and I think, arguably, every sport, um, you know, and and something like baseball or soccer might be different. Um, and, and we didn't re- we don't really talk about those here on this podcast much, um, but. I do. I would be interested to see how, like a sport like baseball or soccer, especially baseball, would be affected with some of these other Southern Edition teams, like a team like FAU. I'm sure, like some of these Southern teams, just always seem to be better at baseball, um, unless you're like some kind of East Coast team. Um, but regardless, if you're looking at how the 16 team conference is going to stack up, and you're going to produce two teams. Are SMU and Memphis, which have always been, um, you know, in this conference since the start, are they going to have to be pitted against each other every season at the top? And you're just vying for two ranked spots. And are teams like UTSA, Charlotte, you know, FAU, Rice, are those kind of teams going to actually benefit any of these other teams that they have to play season in, season out? And and I feel like there should be some kind of, um, I wouldn't say protection plan, but something almost to that degree where a team like, where where these teams split up because now you're going to have two divisions of eight or maybe you have four divisions of four. Who's going to play who every year? Because I would hate to be somebody like SMU who is then stuck with a Rice or a UTSA, UA, you know, UNT, All these teams where before they're playing the Bearcats, they're playing, you know, UCF every other year, they're playing Navy every other year. You know, some of these teams that have been a little bit better over the years, are they going to be stuck playing these four or five teams every single year? And now their product is watered down. I like I said, I just it seems like there's just so many disadvantages to this. And I think there are advantages. Um especially when it, like I said, it really just kind of is a survival mood. It helps the Americans stay alive. But, um, you know, there was the talk of the CUSA merger, and maybe they figure out a way to blend the best teams. But everybody, there's winners and there's losers in every kind of realignment. Thankfully, we're on the winning side of realignment for once. Um, And and that, that really does feel nice, because looking at what's happening to the American now, I'm glad to be out of it. Because imagine if... Imagine, you know, in some other multiverse that the Bearcats are Memphis or the Bearcats are SMU or, you know, even a USF or a Temple that are like in this conference now. And we get to see all these other teams that have been, you know, right up there with us. You know, maybe this year just wasn't our year and we get to see them sail off into the sunset. And we just have to sit back and, you know, fight off the demons of the night. Like it, it sucks for those teams. So I don't want to try to linger on it too much more. But like, like we said, it's, I would love to hear some of your guys' opinions too. If you, uh, you know, you could always send us a DM or drop us a mention, leave us a voicemail (laughs) like that. But this just feels like there's, there's no real um, positives out of it.
0: And just like, think eventually it's gonna come where, G five splits off, and the G five is kind of just stuck. And I, i'm you know, I feel bad because the G five member I would have been like fighting like hell against that and now. Yeah. And then like the levels against the schools are gonna be so different in the future. Like mm-hmm. the amount of funding that goes into the programs, like just, like the amount of revenue and alumni base and you know, streaming uh, how many people are watching your games the disparity is going to be bigger and bigger and bigger as we go on and i think there's going to be less and less tv money in it for these smaller conferences which i feel bad for because realigning just to make more tv money when without the reassurance really that that tv money is going to be there and i think the six schools that are joining the american they're only going to make 2 million dollars as they joined and they just have to wait until the deal gets renegotiated with ESPN to see who gets what and who gets an equal share. And like the Sunbelt members are all going to get a million dollars each, which is still an upgrade from what conference USA was getting. And I think the Sunbelt could be a really good league, but I don't know, man. It just like, what's 1 million compared to like the 40, 50 million that the sec teams are going to be getting. Like, And then if UC hopefully gets up into that 25, 30 million, you know, like the money disparity is just going to eventually be what drives the sport farther apart from each other. And I hate that. I'm not a fan of it, a fan of the Bearcats being in one of these bigger conferences, but feels like the soul of college football is just getting ripped away. And eventually it's going to be like SEC is like the minor league to the NFL and, Everybody else, like we're gonna just try and compete with the SEC, and yeah, feel confident that the Bearcats can really well in the Big Twelve. I th- I feel like we could be a top three, top four program, and it's one of my off-season pod ideas that I want to see what our ceiling and what our floor is in both ball and basketball in the Big Twelve. So listeners, watch out for those off-season pods. I keep telling you, they're coming, baby, and they're coming in hot feels a little bit soulless
1: yeah absolutely and i think that's a good way to cap that off and just we we really have to look at this whole scenario of this is going to be an evolving you know kind of beast over the next few years um and teams really real will shift around um you know maybe we could have got that sort of round robin and got that sort of big conference alignment where all of ncaa sports just says you know what Ohio teams, there's enough of you. We're going to make a conference out of you. And it doesn't matter what conference you're in. It doesn't matter if you're a big 10 or if you're a Mac school, you're in a conference. Now I always think something like that would just be interesting, would be fun, but those things won't happen because of all of the soulless money, you know, problems that we're going to continue to see, like you had mentioned. So, um, kind of speaking to that point that you just mentioned though, too, about the NFL, um, Speaking of disparity between teams, apparently there's a huge disparity between the Ravens and the Bengals because the Bengals kicked some ass this weekend. We we tried to stay as best as the Bearcats pod. Um, if there's big things that happen around other Cincinnati sports, we're obviously going to mention it. Um, and we got to mention this. The Bengals beat the Ravens 41-17 to 17 this weekend in their house. It wasn't a home game for the Bengals. It wasn't a weird game, you know, where a bunch of crazy stuff happened. The Bengals just controlled the game. And they, they, especially when the second half came around, they showed up. They, they were tired of hearing the Bengals are at the bottom of the AFC North. Pittsburgh's going to be the team that wins it this year. Baltimore is going to be the team that wins it this year. Cleveland, the fraudulent Cleveland Browns are going to be the team that wins it this year and goes to the Super Bowl. We all have seen those freezing cold takes, and I think the Bengals are finally just pissed off enough and said, you know what? We've got all that we need. We're just going to keep making additions, and this is going to be a strong, steamrolling team for a couple seasons to come. And clearly, we've proved it this weekend because the Bengals ran it up on the Ravens and took a share of the lead of the AFC North, um, who now splits Baltimore and Cincinnati 5-2. and two. So... Steve, what, what was your reaction to that game? Because I know we were both watching that.
0: Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Like, I really enjoyed watching this team put up 40 points. It feels like in NFL you don't really get 40-point games uh, from some teams. And like, it was just fun. Like, I really was. I was following along in the first half, and then I turned it on for the second half because I was away from the TV and then got home for the second half, turned it on. And man, like they were just like kicking some ass. Other than the Joe Burrow interception in the second half, they really kicked some butt. So I was just like really happy to to watch that. It feels like the Ravens have had our number just as much as the Steelers, but they don't give as much hate from us because like we hate Baltimore and we hate Cleveland. But I know we no, sorry, we hate Pittsburgh and we hate Cleveland, but we don't hate, you know, we do not really hate Baltimore that much. But Good. We had lost five straight to them, so it felt felt good to get a dub.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. And I, I think the biggest thing that we've kind of seen over time with the Ravens is the Ravens have been sort of the consistent team in the AFC North. They haven't had like these major restructures. They haven't um, you know, gone through sort of the uh tried and true seasons that the Steelers had where they were just winning all these championships. Um, and then they're just kind of trying to keep the boat afloat, which clearly has happened now and clearly is not working for them. Um, but it team like Cleveland, you know, they've just been so up and down and up and down. Um, and, you know, uh, Cleveland's going to those 0-16 or 1-15, whatever seasons. Um, it, it feels nice to be the Bengals that have sort of been able to ride the wave in the middle there somewhere. Um, and finally, like, After just one, two throwaway seasons, everything just starts hitting at the same time. We didn't have to go through this four, five year sort of rebuild, or we didn't have to be a team like Detroit, who's in just this multi decade rebuild now that never seems to pan out, never seems to work, where everybody's career goes to die. Like it's nice to be in a position where, as a Cincinnati team, you know, it's so young. The core that we have now is so young and everybody's new. I think it will really help us in free agency, too, because if we look at this team being stacked up the way we are now, if we can, you know, pump out a 10 win season out of this uh, year, if not more. I mean, we're on track for much more. Um, you know, that's just trying to me being a conservative, but. I think if we can pump out um a couple more wins, we'll we'll be much more attractive for some veteran free agents to kind of come in and see, hey, you know, what can I do? Like I want to I want to be a part of this. Like I want to I want to be a part of this team that's, you know, going to be the next, you know, uh championship contender. Like I I want to be in one of those teams and so I think I think the Bengals are in a unique position um that they haven't really been in because when we reset with um you know, uh the AJ and Andy kind of restart that we had back in like 2011, 2012, like things really shifted there, but it took a long time for those things to sort of get in order. Um, and everything sort of culminated up until the point of the 2015 sort of climax where everything immediately went downhill after that wildcard game. Um, and, and it's, it was almost sort of a slow burn until it eventually fell off and Marvin Lewis went elsewhere and, We all sort of picked everything up and restarted. But again, the Bengals are in a, like I said, unique position. And I think we're at the point now where we other teams are going to start gunning for us and they're taking us more seriously. Um, And for once the Bearcats and the Bengals are hitting at the same time and stride together. And, um, and it's also, and it's happening in football. Like the Bearcats are hitting in stride in football and it's just nice to be a Cincinnati football fan in general for for what feels like forever. I mean, you know, it's been great to be watching the Bearcats. But we even said earlier this, like even earlier this season, you know, you pull up stats of the Bengals, win, win counts, the Reds, FC Cincinnati, all these teams just have felt like such a letdown. And the Bearcats have been the one bright light in that. And it feels like everybody else is starting to catch up now. FC Cincinnati is still <laughs> clearly off the board. We're not even going to mention that because that's not even worth our time. Um, and, you know, the Reds are getting there, but the Bengals are starting to do things right. And I think the front office has finally listened. Um, and, you know, all those Penny Sewell believers out there, sorry, you got to see the product that we've got with Jamar. He's literally, he he could he could just say, I'm going to, I'm going to stop playing for the rest of the season today, and I think he might have a shot still at winning rookie of the year. Like, he's Wait. putting up insane like NFL rookie record numbers. It's he's on track to be one of the best like rookie rookie. Uh, <laughs> Wookie, I can't speak rookie wideouts that you know the NFL has ever seen. So I I like what I'm seeing.
0: So I heard on a Bomani Jones podcast today that uh, he was saying that um you know in the preseason R couldn't catch a cold and now he's catching everything but covid so yeah. uh, <laughs> man like he was just like i he's just unreal and it's crazy how good he is so early and i really think he's about the memes i like, i don't know if you saw over the weekend that he was committed to kansas for 8 days before committing to lsu really uh, i guess lsu hadn't gotten to him yet and then i think also that uh you know, Les Miles was coaching at Kansas at the time and he's knows the connections in Louisiana still. So like impossible that he was like committed there, but it's just funny to me though, that like he was just supposed to be at Kansas for a little while and no, not, not anymore. But I think that's, that was part of his bit. And I think, Dropping all the preseason balls was part of a bit, too. I think, like, he oh, was yeah. just like, like uh, let's just have a little fun here, Joe. What do you say? And Joe was like, <laughs> gotcha. Don't worry. I'll throw a real fastball at you.
1: Um, Jamar Chase can't catch. Remember that, people.
0: I thought he was dropping everything. <laughs> oh, man. Like, he is just – I think it's a thing we never had with Andy where we never felt like the team believed in Andy, no matter how much they said it. And we never yeah. – like he believed in Andy because he was not that guy, and it was an off-season story. You're
1: not that guy, pal. Yeah, <laughs> you're not that guy.
0: It's an off-season story every year for about five years running. Is will Andy Dalton take a much uh, a, a louder leadership role? And like, mm-hmm. never gonna have to worry about that with Joe Burrow because one, he is that leadership, and two, you know, he's bringing it every week. And like, dude, is just like a stone cold killer and like his yeah. press conferences and stuff. And I saw some Ravens fan was like that same energy when y'all, when we come back to Cincy, I was like, all right, we're just going to cook. A, who's the, who's the dude that got cooked Marcus. Ah, um... oh. It's slipping me. I was going to say Marshawn Lattimore, but that's a running back. That's not Um, Marcus Lattimore. Hmm. I don't know. Well, anyways. That's oh, that's the um that was that was that running back. So, but like whoever <laughs> this poor Ravens uh linebacker was, he got cooked on, yeah. on Sat on uh Sunday. He got absolutely cooked. Um why am I not seeing this? I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find it because Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, that was who it there was. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he even tweeted after the game. He was like, "Damn, I gave up 243 yards today. I got to get my ass back in the labs." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's one of those things where you know the Bengals, like I said, have finally kind of found the formula, um, whatever it might be, and I, maybe it's just the maybe it's just the chemistry thing that's working. But I, I found it really funny because I was listening to. Uh, I want to say it was like get up or something Uh, not sometime either either Monday or today and somebody had mentioned that the new thing is that all these teams are doing is trying to build chemistry by drafting a QB and a wide receiver or drafting players together. I'm sorry I, I maybe it's just me and I live under a rock but I feel like this is the only case that I've seen where a QB has had his pick of his you know wide out or his uh you know running back or somebody that he was partnered with in school and like it's not it's not like a new trend like this is just the thing that the Bengals did and it worked and i i really hope that they can figure out whatever it is that they need to do to add to this um and i think really it's just kind of making um some adjustments and bolstering up the o-line to make sure you protect Joe but I feel like we're really balanced on both sides of the ball now, which, you know, no matter how well we played um, or poor we played in the stretch of the Andy Dalton, A.J. Green era, I felt like our offense never really felt like that offense where it lit it up. We were always outshined by our defense. Um, And so now it feels like it's kind of one of those things where – oh, the table's kind of turned now, and it's almost feeling like the offense is outshining. And you look at some of these teams, like, you know, a team like Arizona um, or Buffalo that's just got such an insane offense that, like, you're just going to continue to score every single game. And, um, you know, I think it was, what, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, we had those, um, you know, you had, like, the Chiefs that were scoring, like, 50, 60 every single game. And just putting up insane numbers, um, it it'd be nice to see your offense score more than twenty points a game because we've been so used to like having to win these nail biters. Um, and I I feel like the Bengals just aren't a forty point team. They haven't been over the years. They've been uh, okay. We well, can we can make it to thirty, um, but a team that we have to keep pace with, we we haven't been able to because that's just not who the Bengals DNA has been over the years. So um, again, it, it feels nice. Um, And like I said, we just had to bring this up because Bengals talk is important when the Bengals are hitting their stride. And and I think it matters, too, because one thing I think is also important, worth mentioning really quickly. um, I would love to see the Bengals take a Bearcat because we have plenty of Bearcats that are going to be drafted this year. And if I'm going to see anybody, I mean, I would love to take Sauce. I don't don't even know what kind of pick we're going to end up with this year because we're going to have to see where... You know, things kind of sit towards the end of the year, but um as far as that draft order goes, but I would kind of hope they were gonna D. sign Jimmy last year because Huber's a left hand yeah. left
0: footed punter and so is Jimmy and Huber's like kinda getting up there. So it would have been a right. natural succession plan. Um the Ravens signed him to their practice squad this week to practice left footed punts. Uh, they signed Jimmy really? to the practice squad this week. So hopefully Jimmy gets another shot and uh he, uh, he got a full week's pay for being on the practice squad this week. So it's, it's not too bad, you know, not a, not a bad yeah. life. Yeah. Also, I, I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, it was something different. So finish your point.
1: <laughs> well, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think obviously the biggest, um, kind of position that we would gun for, um, is going to be somewhere around like O line. So it, it's, you know, out of the bearcats squad who were going to be retiring off this year to the draft. Um I don't think there's anybody in those first few rounds that we're going to, you know, gun for an o-lineman. Um but I think that it would be great to see one of these two corners end up back in Cincinnati. Just I some of the one of these guys has to stick around. I don't know. Like I I'm a firm believer in just being able to draft uh, talent out of your own circle of guys that you can watch week in and week out. Zach Taylor, you know, unless he's got – if he's got a home game, he can go to a Bearcats game if he wants to. He's already been to plenty of them on his own. You know, yeah. you, you can watch these guys week in and week out. And, of course, there's plenty of talent all across the country. But on a year like this with a team like this, why not go for it? Um I, I, think think know, I would love to say
0: that uh, he keeps getting – Zach Taylor keeps getting asked questions about – UC and Desmond Ritter when like yeah. his team is now good. And right. like, I don't know. It was probably won't get asked any more questions unless they make the playoff, but sorry,
1: go ahead. No, well, and that's actually you kind of just uh kind of hit on my point there that I was gonna make is I'm really interested interested to see where Des ends up because I've heard a couple people make some noise and saying Des looks like the Heisman, you know, kind of guy, but Des looks like a kind of guy who could be a number one pick. I've heard that thrown out more than once. And by like actual, you know, analysts and not just, you know, guys like us who are just, you know, shooting the shit back and forth. Um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to hear like could we end up with a number one overall pick? Probably not. I don't think Des is gonna be um getting up there unless we like make college football playoff final. Um, I, I just don't see it with, you know, guys like um, you know, Bryce Young or Mac Corral or um you know, some of these other Heisman candidates up there. I just think that in another universe, we can just imagine that the Bengals had not yet drafted Joe Burrow and their team was just rebuilding that next squad. And Des just comes right up into the fold. Here's our QB. We get to keep them. A bearcat becomes a Bengal. Quick clean transition would be great, but I would not sacrifice Joe Burrow for any other QB in this league. I don't care who it is. You give me Tom Brady, I'll still take Joe Burrow. You got age you got, you know, young age and longevity, I'll take Joe Burrow. So two. Well, one other thing we should mention, um, real quick before we jump ahead to Tulane, um, is that this kind of does change the fold and we don't want to be worried about the guys in the suits, as we said earlier but has to be mentioned is that OSU did share an opponent with us uh, this weekend off of our schedule uh, playing IU, which of course they will because that's a conference opponent. Um, But they beat IU in Indiana 54 to seven, which is just a much different result than we had, Um, which to the same point, we also gave IU a bit of a beating at the same time, but we did not give them a 54 to seven beating. Um, and so i think that does play a little bit of um play a little bit of back and forth tennis with these cfp voters and um i wouldn't even say necessarily the poll voters but when it comes down to like this uh selection show and comes down to week by week in, week out and we get to the end of the season osu is going to play bigger and bigger opponents them playing a team like iu and winning by just about 50 points you know, does that make a difference?
0: Um. Well, if they leave what they say when they say that they take every game into account, then they should see that Michael Penix did not start for IU and their second-string quarterback got hurt on the game-tying touchdown in the first quarter. Not that Indiana's offense was going to ever keep pace with Ohio State. I think their defense looked really bad, and... The defense did not look great against us on, uh, when, after Micah McFadden left that game, we still probably would have won that game had he been playing. And I think like that was kind of, it's kind of silly to base your argument for why a team would have won when one player left the game, right. but I don't know. I mean, I already saw the Barstool, uh, OSU kids tweeting about like the, the score comparison, and for a fan base that really says they are not worried and they are cheering for Luke Fickle, uh, and you see in every game they don't play Ohio State, clearly the fan base that tweets out the two scores. I I don't know. I just you, yeah. when you're when you're not worried, you definitely get into people's replies and say you're not worried. Like of the um, yeah. the guy on Twitter, Captain Underscore Cincy Justin H, uh, a di- different Justin H, not not our <laughs> Justin H. <laughs> he tweeted yesterday if everyone in the country knew about how in their feelings osu gets over uc everyone in the country would be cheering for uc right now and it got picked up by bobby carpenter uh, ohio state alum and a local radio guy up there i think he's kind of mm-hmm. like he's kind of playing the heel um for ohio state radio because you know like in the radio business you got to take a lane either you're like gonna be a supporter or you're kind of a heel and uh not to say he's like a hater or anything but he's been kind of vocal about how you know uc and ohio state aren't too different because he's watched both every week and he i think he called our first two games on espn plus and he noted like they're not they're not crazy different and i think people get mad at him for that and yeah it it like I saw Justin's tweet when he first put it out, and then like an hour later after he put it out, and it had like three quote tweets, like 10, maybe like two or three replies. And after Bobby Carpenter picked it up, 69 retweets, 66 replies, like a bunch yeah. of likes. And the fan base that tells you, like, we're not worried, we love Luke, they were all saying it, it felt a little bit coordinated to me. But it's like, if you're really not worried, you wouldn't even be responding. Now that's not Ohio state fans. Like they respond to everybody. They, they do have a pretty large Twitter group that goes after a lot of people, but I don't know. I'm just saying like, you're not the group. You're not that guy. If you are responding to everybody.
1: Yeah. And, and, and absolutely. And I, I think the biggest thing to kind of take away from the whole, um, you know, sort of OSU versus NC argument is, inevitably these two are going to run into each other at the end of the season and it's going to come down to, are we going to take our tried and true OSU that we're going to put into the playoff or are we going to, you know, take a risk? And I, I, I think there's room for both. Um, I, I definitely believe that and I'm a firm supporter of there's room for both UC and OSU because I would love to see Georgia slip up to Alabama and then somehow magically put OSU, letting them leapfrog into like a two. UC jumps up to a three. We play each other and Georgia and Alabama play each other. That's fine by me. I'd love to take a real shot at OSU. Just give one-on-one. Let let people know. Like there's a difference because you know everybody goes back to that 42-0 game and loves to just gnaw on that all day these are these are two very different teams from then until now and there's a lot of growth that happened i mean think of where des was des was the sophomore at that point so looking at the difference between these two teams now um or i guess more more or less the similarity between these two teams now i think that if we really want to be up to snuff and we want to be the team that says what we are we shouldn't be afraid to play a team like osu and if we get a chance to play them in the football playoff i would love to ram it down there you know I'm gonna say something. I I I would love to just watch them cry every tear about OSU being the best team in Ohio and not getting to be able to support that point because the Bearcats have just shoved it up their ass. Like there's I I'm OSU fans. I I have a couple friends that really good friends that are OSU fans and they're definitely more the the midline, like they're firm supporters, but they're, they respect Cincinnati. There's so many that just don't respect any other team other than OSU, which, fine by me. Be your own supporter, be your own team, that's fine. But I think you have to look at this product and you have to see that if they don't get to play head-to-head, at least respect them. And if you get to play us again and for some reason you were to blow us out, all right, you get the bragging rights. But you don't get bragging rights if you don't play that team. That's how it should be, and I think that's where OSU should just shut it up and let Cincy be Cincy until they have a chance to prove us wrong.
0: And I uh, think you know they're always going to be loud because they've been the best team for like one hundred and fifteen years in our state, and rightfully so. Like I can't like knock them for you know being fans. I I don't really feel like knocking dudes who are like fans of both teams. You know you're wrong, but yeah <laughs> i just don't want to be that that dork who's like calling out out those people because i don't want to look like a dork and i i just realize i don't care anymore because i know people have all different allegiances and whatever Um, but i think at some point like we've been talking about they're gonna come there's gonna come a time where as an ohio state fan you can't just be like oh i'm rooting for luke you know i'm happy for him yeah and like you're up in a game against them you're gonna be like you know f him ohio state forever like you're not on our team now and
1: like or in true osu fashion you know screw luke fickle oh my god the bearcats won i'm a bearcats fan now that is osu fanship right there because you know those guys are going to change tides because those ones who have seen year in year out osu just uh, it's expected to have this big win team that's going to go to the playoff every year. There's so many more people that love to ride the bandwagon. And if OSU just gets shut up in their you know own game where this is their chance to prove that they're the team to beat and they get shut up in that game, we're going to make so many fans out of some Buckeyes. It's good. It's going to be great. There's a lot
0: happens. of people on the fence, man. And like yeah. either grew up in Cincinnati, but they watched Ohio state because their dad grew up there. They have friends. I mm-hmm. State fans, there's a I feel like there's a lot of people on the fence that might flip over if the Bearcats ever beat them. And I don't want to say that the Bearcats are going to because it's not gonna happen until it happens, but Right. Like there's at least a sizable amount of people that with so I don't know. I'm with we, you uh, on we that. We move on from a highest of high and couple of the lowest of the low.
1: Absolutely. So speaking of the lowest low, uh Tulane at the bottom of the American Conference, looking like absolute crap on a stick. This team it it doesn't this team scares me for all the reasons that it shouldn't, because they've just looked they 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 have not been the team that the Bearcats won on their schedule. I would I would honestly feel so much better about playing a team like you know, SMU or, um, you know, a Houston or somebody who's ranked higher because I feel like it's just a matchup of talent, but I don't think that Bearcats are a play down kind of team. They just aren't. But a team like this is just asking for more trouble like the Navy game was. Um, and that's not a lack of belief in the Bearcats. It's just a, in the case that something goes wrong, it's, Irreparable and and not even the case that something goes wrong, if you don't cover the spread in a game like this after a game like last week, you're really just gonna start kicking you know you're gonna start kicking yourself later when these kind of conversations like we've had with the c f p come up um and we we do need to obviously enjoy the season, and we're gonna have to keep ringing on that all year long because that's gonna be our bell cow we 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 have to just enjoy the bearcats being the number two team playing a great season being seven and O right now. Um, but again, like this is, a, this is a big one for the Bearcats because this is a question that we've asked throughout the season. Um, but this one I think is the most important time to ask this question is do style points matter? And I think you,
0: know, you want to like kind of show though, Oklahoma is a different team than uh, Tulane. I feel like if our score looks just, mildly better or like a lot better than that score, then you know, it will look good for us. It's a comparison score. Obviously the comparison score between us, Ohio State, and Indiana doesn't look great, but you know, it's it's another one it's an, another score. And like if we run up the score uh, against Tulsa, that'll be a comparison score in our favor, you know. Yeah. So um I think the Bearcats should take care of business. Like we were talking about earlier, um, Tulane does run like kind of a, a passing option. Like they do have some of that in their game, but they're definitely more reliant on passing than running the ball. And uh, they've lost, like I think the only game they they won was against an FCS opponent. Uh, They have not looked good recently either. This will be their uh, first game at home in three weeks, I think. Uh, So and it's a noon uh, kick, 11 a.m. Central time in New Orleans, which, you know, not great. Not like our players are going out on Bourbon Street or anything. They're going to be locked in. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I mean, you could probably see us sleepwalking through the first couple drives. But I think these games, talent's going to win out. And I think we had enough of a scare last week where this week we're going to lock in and say, okay, enough of that. We're done. It's over for you. So only problem I had last week was it seemed like Des didn't really like adjust to the uh I was reading on Twitter, I wasn't really able to watch all twenty two because V angles. But uh apparently Navy was showing three safeties and then dropping two in a man and like and then double teams or in coverage. That's when he threw the pick at the goal line is cause he just misread the coverage. Um, so I would like him to get that figured out because if that's out, then, you know, other teams are obviously going to try that then. Right. The other thing uh, is that, you know, we're going to have to figure out a way to run the ball. That's not straight up the middle, because I don't think like our guys were getting enough push. Now that's against Navy. I guess they have a decent defensive line, but it seemed like every time we tried to run the ball, it was just up the middle. So I would like to run us more off tackle, like jet sweeps with Trey Tucker.
1: Uh, yes. And
0: like, you know, the jet sweep has
1: gone away. I don't know why. It but. has. I don't understand. Give us a jet sweep. Give us a, you know, give us any kind of sweeps out to the side, like anything to play the ball. Like you said, out of the center, because we've been running that all year and it's easy to stop. And then the thing to me is like,
0: I think it's not a great sign when you've been on just a a heater for the past 4 years and last year was different because I feel like our offense was fully functional and then James Hudson helped that a lot too but mm-hmm. I still feel like the play calling can be so much better and I don't want Mike Dembrock to be fired but <laughs> sure a section of the fan base wouldn't mind that too much. I'm sure a section of the fan base was kind of hoping he would get hired by Vanderbilt this year, you know, before he ended up staying and uh, not taking that job, or I don't know if he got offered. But it seems like the play calling is just, like, frustrating, and just we keep doing the same things just thinking, you know, yeah, we have more talent than them. It'll work. We don't have the same offensive line, and – I like that we got Wiley more involved in the game because he was getting Absolutely. separation and he was a lot better than uh you know some of the guys that were trying to cover him and obviously it showed and then you know Ford broke out for that 43 yard touchdown run. I think that was off guard or off tackle then like you know it started started us started the rally in the second half and you know we kind of the, the Wiley touchdown too helped but don't know man I just like still want to see our offense improve more because mm-hmm. it's like des has kind of been like a wall the past couple of weeks i would like yeah. to to believe that his draft stock is still good but i don't know man like it's he's just i've been not himself the past couple of weeks and maybe it's these noon starts maybe he's more of a three thirty or a seven o'clock boy um but i don't i like what do what do you think? Because I think the Bearcats should win this one easily. I think our defense will be able to show its strengths because you know Tulane's more of a passing team. I also think you know our offense should be able to just do what it wants against uh, mm-hmm. against their defense. But
1: what do you think? Yeah. Um. Well, and I'll I'll kind of mention some of these points too um, because I found them to be useful. Um, is that you mentioned earlier the Oklahoma game is a good comparison game for us too, as was, you know, will be the Tulsa one. Um, but Oklahoma also played Tulane the, earlier this year, and it's a 40 to 35 game. Um, and it was pretty tight down to the wire too, which I think makes this a little bit more uh, difficult for the Bearcats is the fact that ranked opponents against Tulane, which include SMU and Ole Miss, have scored an average of 52 points a game, which. Again, it's not going to be one of those things that we really have to worry about numbers too much because we, we really should be focused on the fact that the Bearcats are 7-0, and Tulane is 1-6, and both these teams go into this game. You know, the Bearcats have to take care of business, and a win is a win is a win. But that's not how this works, and we wouldn't be here talking if that were the case. With that said, the Bearcats might need to score. Their Bearcats, I think, are going to need to score 50 to make this look like a really resounding game. It's going to look... Have to look something similar to the Temple game, because um, the Temple game was like the highest of highs. You shut a Temple team down, which granted was is not great, doesn't look good, um, but you shut a s- Temple team down to three points, and on the same you know on the same path, you're scoring fifty two. Um, I think that was a huge win for us, um, even though it was kind of a garbage game for you know Temple. Um, but if we really really want to look at that CFP spot. Um, I think we need to be winning by the spread minimum. I I think that we need to take care of business. And I do agree um, that I think Dez has been a bit quiet. Um, I don't think he's looked out of place. I mean, I think the guy's got what, like three picks on the year, something like that. Some very minimal score to the amount of touchdowns he has. But I think Dez has a lot more in him that he just hasn't been able to show um, as much the past few weeks. Um, and you know, when you have a game like he had against Miami, um, where you're, you know, running it up, he's got like what, four touchdowns or maybe that was Murray state. I I'm trying to remember, but in these games where you've got like these huge games from Des, he hasn't had like that kind of breakout, like this is his marquee kind of performance game again. I think he needs one of those this week. And I think that he has it in him. We'll just see whether or not it comes out. Um, but, uh, last week definitely did not feel like it was that. And I think that's a credit to Navy being able to shift some things over. And like you said, like those safeties, just giving different reads, um, making it difficult for them. I don't think teams have necessarily, um, made it as difficult for Dez as I think also to the same effect, the run game has really ex- had accelerated for a few weeks too before last week. I mean, Ford had like 200 yard 150 yard games um, where he's putting up huge numbers. Um, I think that's just kind of a product of maybe Des has not been the focus of attention um, for the Bearcats offense as much as running was. And then last week, we just, you know, kind of got stuffed with possession time. I mean, it's hard. to It is really hard to score 30 plus points in a game where you get 20 minutes worth of ball. Like, unless you're hurling 70 yard passes down the field and making your one, you know, one drive every quarter into, uh, you know, major passing play, like, you don't, those slow burners, like, it, Dez just has a lot more opportunities in a game like this to show his ability to throw, like, a 300 yarder or, uh, you know, something like that. And I think, I think he sh- should be able to do that this week. So,
0: yeah, um, uh, the one last thing, too, is that we are definitely, uh more high-scoring offense at home than we are on the road. Yes, absolutely. Because we've obviously played better competition on the road, but the most we've scored on the road this year is 38, uh, and the least we've scored is 24. So, you know, I wouldn't expect us to necessarily put up 45. I don't know what it is, but we just don't score as much on the road. But as long as our defense can really show up and, like, play well, not allow the big play, not allow the big gash of – a five, 10, 15 yards, every other play, then I think we'll play well.
1: Absolutely. Well, and so this will be, this will be a good time to introduce again, our uh, weekly picks uh, real quick. I just do want to uh, gloss over our um, picks from last week. Uh, good old Steve and I got a whopping zero combined points in our new point system. Um, we did not seem to pick very well. Uh, everything else went kind of off the grid, um, from what we were expecting. Um, and it seems as though the picks that you guys, the listeners had also gone for, um, seemed to align very closely to mine. And so if I got nothing, you didn't get anything either. Um, and the Bearcats, this is the most interesting one. 97% of you picked the Bearcats to cover the spread last week. And, Hopefully, the 97% of you did not put money on that <laughs> because that sure as hell did not happen. Um, but jumping into this week, um, our questions for our weekly poll. Uh, we'll start off with, will Desmond Ritter throw for over 250 yards against Tulane? What do you got for me?
0: I'll say yes. He had a out at some point in two straight games without it.
1: So I'll say yes. You, I'm going to go make? right there with you, right there with you. I think that this is the time for Dez to break out. And, you know, even though it's on the road, um, you know, he's not a hundred and he's not a hundred and seventy, hundred and fifty yard kind of QB. He's a two hundred and fifty, three hundred yard QB. He's got it in him. He just hasn't really showed it as much. Um, and last week, again, was just one of those games where he didn't get to do it. And I think that this will be will be the week. So. Right there with you. I'm going yes with that. Uh second question. Who will be the leading receiver for the Bearcats against Tulane? Clearly, we have options. So who you got?
0: Um well, picking Josh Wiley would be um would be like kind of reactionary. Picking Trey Tucker again would just be standing, but and then <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna say uh I'm going to say Josh Wiley, though, actually. like I'm going to go back on myself because I feel like they've been waiting to get him involved, and maybe they haven't been throwing it to him as much so that teams will stop covering him and maybe he gets some more free time. But when he gets out in the open, he's hard to bring down. And, uh, I don't exactly know the game plan for this weekend, but as long as Josh Wiley's involved, I feel pretty good about the Bearcats' chances of winning. So I'm going to say Joshua Wiley. Uh, the LaSalle Lancer. How about you, oh, Justin? Yes. Uh, who will lead the Bearcats this week on the receiving end?
1: Oh, See, this is the thing. is I so badly want to reach into the pocket a little bit and grab somebody like Lenny because Lenny has not um, really had like his chance to shine yet this year. Um, but I think if I'm going to be a little bit more um, on the safe side with a pick, It's got to be between Alec and Scott. And between Pierce and Scott, if Des is going to have a huge game, he gets huge gains from Scott and he gets yards, just straight yards out of Pierce. I feel like I got to play it safe. I think I'm going to go with Alec. It's going to be Alec Pierce. So with that said, um, for our third question, who will force and or recover a fumble or get an interception for the Bearcats defense against Tulane this week. And we
0: got to go back to the
1: well again. And I think I'm going to
0: go actually kind of someone who hasn't, uh, really, you know, he had one earlier this year. I'm going to go with Brian cook, Think Brian cook can go up and get one. He should have had one on Saturday, but it got overturned, you know, by a kind of weak roughing the passer call. Um, I think Brian Cook has been pretty good, you know. Uh, I think he's been a good, solid player for us the past couple years, and he's really filled in for that safety role nicely now that Wiggins is gone. We saw it last year in the Peach Bowl, how good he was. He was, like, coming down and making tackles, made some plays in the UCF game, should have had a pick last week against Navy. I'll say Brian Cook. okay. who will be dunking the ball – through the hoop on the sideline and they get back with it next week for the defense. Who will be your defensive turnover creator?
1: I pace I would love to say too because um I think Tulane's just tries to opt so much more for the passing game but um I'm going to say they're going to rough up the run game and I think Beavers is going to be able to knock it loose. Um, he's already done it more than once this season. Um, and I think that he'll be able to at least force a fumble, if not recover one, he's already got, I think two on the year, um, and one forced fumble. So I'm going to go with him. I would love to pick a guy like sauce, but the problem is with a guy like sauce, people are just not throwing at him. Like it's just, it's. It's the business move. Don't throw a sauce Gardner. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Darian on that one um, for our fourth question, which again, we're trying to mix these up a little bit because it is really difficult to tr- pick the one guy who's going to be the offensive MVP for the game. And it's also very difficult to pick anybody else than Des because Des is going to rack up the most yards and probably the most touchdowns. So with this question, will Jerome Ford have a hundred yard game against Tulane? So yes. Might as well, why
0: not he's got a he kind of got bottled up last week, but he still had that forty three yard run, so maybe if we can get create some lanes for him, um I think he can do
1: it again, so yes, nice. I am gonna go right there with you and say yes, um he's got one yard short of eight hundred on the year through seven games, so he's over his average is averaging over a hundred yards a game. Um, And granted, he's had some really big performances, including that one uh, where he had four touchdowns. Um, But I think that Ford will definitely have a hundred-yard game, Um, and he's clearly shown he's been able to run it down the whole field, and he can burn anybody else because he seems to be the fastest player on the team too. So I'm with you on that. I I think this will be a good week just for the Bearcats offense to really prove uh, prove their worth. So with that question answered, uh, this will go right into another question that. Uh, speaking of the Bearcats' offense, will the Bearcats cover the spread, which is currently sitting at 24 and a half?
0: Um, yes, and I will give my score prediction for you real quick. Um, I'm going to say it is a 35-3 to 3 Bearcats win. 35-3
1: to 3 Bearcats win, and that does cover the spread. That is a pretty massive gap. and it looks like Tulane is not going to be scoring this week, according to Steve. So (laughs) hopefully that holds up. And actually, before we jump out of it, I got one more question for you because I did skip ahead a little bit only because we're speaking on the offense. But the tried and true question of this week, who will lead the Bearcats in tackles against Tulane? And I will say, neither of us have picked Dublanco in the past two games, but he's had 15 tackles in each of the last two games, which is massive. That's a lot of tackles. Um, So who are you going to go with? It lame to pick Joel after you just said that uh no <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll, I'll take Joel
1: yeah I think that's a solid pick he's definitely been hot lately um and I think that uh between uh between the games that he's kind of had against Navy and then UCF uh they do like they're two very different styles Uh, but he's been able to get involved everywhere. It doesn't matter if they're passing the ball or if they're running the ball. He's been able to get involved. So I think that's a solid pick. um, For sake of changing it up um, from you, (laughs) I don't want to give the exact same pick because that's no fun if we both get a point for the same guy. But I'm going to go with Deshaun again this week. Um, I think he just didn't get quite as much shine last week, Um, but he's right up there with Joel. Um, And Joel, honestly, had just surpassed him this past week with another 15-tackle game, which, again, is huge. And I kind of wanted to mention that earlier. I'm going to take a quick 20-second bit here. But Joel DuBlanco has been very quietly leading this Bearcats defense. Um, And I don't think he gets the kind of shine that a guy like Sauce does or a guy even like Kobe or Deshaun gets because he's not getting those uh, picks and he's not getting those interceptions, which are those huge plays. But he's been a stud, and he's been able to get those tackles. He's been able to get some tackles for loss. Um, And I think that Joel's really been an integral part of this defense, and I, I wish that he would get a little bit more shine because he really has been great, and he's been um, a keystone of the Bearcats defense, especially I mean, the past few weeks.
0: Could have left for uh, NFL last year. He came back for an extra year, and he's been a big part of it. So I will have to do some more research uh, on this tackles thing because if it's just going to be a linebacker every week, then I guess that's no fun. But yeah. uh, we'll have to do some more research, re- research on that.
1: Yeah, we could definitely change it up, and that's why we're changing it up this week, too, just to throw in some more questions and see. Um, Because (laughs) some points on the board, baby. Come on. for real. So far, I've got two, and that's it. But that's out of (laughs) two weeks so far. And uh, sorry to tell you, my man, but uh, there's nothing in the well there for you. Your well is dry. And so (laughs) we got to figure out how to score some points. Um, So I'll give my... uh, prediction on the spread and score and we'll get us out of here um do i think the bearcats will cover the spread um i think after last week they're gonna be uh pissed off enough and i think you know we kind of uh roughed up the bear enough the bearcat that uh we're gonna definitely cover that spread i think the 24 and a half um is generous for a team like tulane um who's been letting up a lot of yards um so I'm going to say we cover that spread and I'm going to give my final score of, I'm going to say 42 Bearcats, 13 Tulane. I, I just don't see how Tulane doesn't score something here. Um, you know, no matter how good Bearcats are going to be, um, it's just an away game and that's asking for a team to score points. You know, if it's at home, I think we've been able to shut them down, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that score line. So Bearcats will cover the spread. That's kind of the consensus here. Um, If you guys haven't voted already, uh, this poll will be live until Saturday around 10 a.m. So go take your votes before then. Um, If you're listening on Friday morning, do it now. I mean, you're listening already. You might as well. Um, And so that's pretty much all that we've got for you guys this week. We'll see if we get any more points in our uh, weekly predictions. But... um, with that said, uh you got any other comments for us before the end of the day here?
0: Um this basketball season is coming a lot quicker than we think. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think by the by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be less than ten days. Yeah.
1: Um well it won't fifteen be, as of today, I think.
0: Uh so it'll be about eleven
1: days. Yeah. So
0: crazy, man. You're right. It's it was coming up and it's kinda crept up. So I just want to wish everybody a happy Halloween out there. Oh, yeah. um, I agree with Mike Leach that candy corn is the worst candy. <laughs> um, and uh, Justin, I, I will ask you to
1: end the show. Give me your favorite candy. I will give mine real quick. Sour gummy worms. I could run right with you on that. That's one of my favorites. Favorite candy is going to come out of pure addiction and I could eat a whole bag of it. It's got to be Mike and Ike's. Too much flavor. Ooh, okay. The chewy goodness. Mike and Ike's are there, and some people freaking hate them. But at least they're not good in (laughs) Plenty's.
0: That's good to me. I mean, like I I like Mike and Ike's. They're they're pretty chewy, tasty.
1: If you've got a least favorite candy, please let us know because there's plenty of them out there, and some people have some very, very strong opinions. So (laughs) uh, with that said, uh, happy Halloween, guys. Um, You'll hear us next Friday and hear the results of the Tulane game and the preview of... Who do we have? So, <laughs> and the preview of Tulsa. And with my mind going blank, that means it's time to see you guys later. So, again, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure to check us out at Viva La Cats Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's all we've got. Take care. Happy Halloween. And go Bearcats. Bearcats be too late.